0: I am so glad that you are with us today. You may even be listening to us in a car. It doesn't matter. Thanks, thanks, thanks for tuning in right now. I, I'm so encouraged right now by life change. Uh, I'm working with a group of guys. They sharpen me, I sharpen them. And I went up to this one guy's wife, and he was standing there too. And I just said, Uh, The changes I'm seeing, and she literally, not in an inappropriate way, she cut me off and she said, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing the change in my husband. He's a different husband. He's a different dad. He's different at home. He's carrying his life differently. Why? Because when we allow the spirit of the living God to infiltrate our lives, we change. We're transformed. And I'm confident that God wants to prompt you today. God wants to refine you today through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus wants you to know that you are loved. And with saying that, I just want to start right now with prayer. Prayer is just communication with God. So I'm going to pray for you and me and us and that we'll experience during this time together right now god in a special way so let's pray father god i pray right now that there will be people that will choose you jesus christ over culture i pray that there might be those who take their boldest step of faith and for some that step of faith of acknowledging who you are god acknowledging your forgiveness and asking you jesus christ to come in and infiltrate their life i pray lord that uh, you would be with those people that are apprehensive and sometimes live a chameleon life to speak up for truth, your truth. And God, I pray that in the complexity of this world today, with all of the confusion, that those who call themselves follower of Jesus might have a countenance about them that is filled with love. We pray all of this in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. We're in this series, Thriving in Babylon, living a godly life in a godless world. We live in a post-Christian world. Maybe you haven't heard of this, but we actually live in a post-truth world because right now, A lot of people believe that they're the ones who set up truth. They're the authority in truth rather than giving that authority to God. And so this series that we're in right now, and it's going to come up on the screen right now, not letting the cravings of culture dilute the character of Christ. That's what it means to live in Babylon or understanding this. And we've said it in weeks past. In order to make a difference, I must be different. In fact, would you say that, wherever you're at right now, you're hearing this right now. In order to make a difference, I must be different. Not in a weird way. Not in a weird way. But what that means is, is we can't be chameleons trying to fit in and at the expense of not being who Christ wants us to be. By the way, um, if you haven't been able to be a part of our services live, and by the way, if you're in the Grand Blanc, Heartland area, we would love to see you sometime. But if you haven't been part of the messages yet, just go to Grumlaw.com messages, and I actually encourage you to go to that and get caught up because this series has absolutely rocked. And so today we're going to unpack a pretty uncomfortable topic, pride, another way to say it, ego tripping, or in fact, hubris, exalted elevation of ourselves, whether we communicate it or we feel it internally. And I just have to tell you in preparation, this has been a gut check. This has been one of the most difficult talks that I've put together in a long time because I believe that God has done spiritual surgery on me. And a multiplicity of times in this talk, I've had to stop and confess. God's made things visible to me. Maybe he was before and I just wasn't looking at it. There were times where I was literally at my desk studying where I had to get up Walk away and literally say, I need a break. And so this has impacted me in a significant way, and I hope it will you also. We're going to unpack several pieces of pride. Pride. Now, uh, let me uh, explain what I'm talking about pride here a little bit. I'm talking about that when you give an idea to a co-worker, you give an idea to your boss, they run with it and never give you credit, and it's kind of like, look at me. I remember in my past, very vividly, there was one time I gave an idea to a co-worker, they ran with it, they got all the credit, and in a meeting, I made sure and let it be known that I was the one that originally gave that idea to that guy. Not one of my finer moments. And to help us in this subject, we're going to literally look at several characters that we've been exploring in the book of Daniel. We're going to look at Daniel. We're going to look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're going to look at Nebuchadnezzar, this world leader, this builder of cities, this guy that was learning that literally his God, small g, was not greater than the mighty majestic God that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, the ones that they followed and worshiped nebuchadnezzar had this fiery furnace experience where literally he saw this mighty god deliver literally deliver three guys from a raging fire Uh, how many of you like to go camping uh uh, did you like uh, campfires i love campfires and usually, if you're around a campfire, and if you are camping, or how many s'more people do we have? I mean, you know, just drip that hot chocolate on top of those marshmallows, smash it in between those graham crackers. You get the idea of it. and many people right now, you're going, I'm ready for summer, and I'm ready for that smell. But after you've been around a campfire, I already alluded to it, that smell kind of is on you and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I absolutely love this, are in a fiery furnace, and it says that not one hair on their head, in my case, you'd have to identify with that with eyebrows or eyelashes versus the hair on the head, they, not one bit of it was singed, and there was no smoke smell. And so Nebuchadnezzar comes out of that experience, and let's see what happens in Daniel 4. I want you all to know about the miraculous signs and wonders the Most High God has performed for me. Emphasis on for me. How great are his signs, how powerful his wonders, his kingdom will last forever, his rule through all generations. This was great verbiage, this was great uh, communication, but there really wasn't heart in it as we shall see. He wasn't all in. In other words, it was like lip syncing, but no lifestyle. It wasn't a head, heart, will experience. It wasn't, I believe it, I'll receive it, I'll live it. It was a little bit of God talk to sound rather eloquent. It's kind of like today. A lot of people who have God talk, they attend church. God's part of their life, but they're not all in. In other words, there's profession without possession. Let's continue the story in Daniel. Daniel 4 continues, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was living in my palace in comfort and prosperity. But one night I, notice all the eyes, had a dream that frightened me. I saw visions that terrified me as I lay in my bed. This is an absolute picture of today. People are living in comfort. Oh, yes, we had the COVID situation, but people in the United States of America, those of you who are listening to this, we live in comfort, we live in prosperity, but there's this unbelievable umbrella of fear. And that's part of what the spirit of Babylon is a spirit of fear. And this is not the way of Jesus. This is not. Jesus' way. And Nebuchadnezzar's in comfort and prosperity, but he has this dream. So he calls in his officials, his astrologers, his best thinkers, but they cannot figure it out. Now I'm going to give you the cliff notes. And for those of you who are younger, you don't even know what a cliff note is. But for those of us who are older, you know what a cliff note is. A cliff note covered my Many times in school when I didn't take the time to read a book, I didn't have enough time because I didn't use my time wisely. I grabbed Cliff Notes to kind of get the summary. We do that today with Google. We do that on the internet. So I want to give you the cliff notes of what Nebuchadnezzar's dream was. He, he, he saw like an Eden experience. He saw animals everywhere. And right in the middle of this like unbelievable garden experience, just beautiful. There was this huge tree, but a messenger comes and says, cut the tree down, trim the branches, just leave the stumps and the roots. That's the cliff notes leading us to Daniel 4, 16 through 17, where it says, for seven periods of time, let him have the mind of a wild animal instead of the mind of a human. For this has been decreed, by the way, that's an implication towards insanity, by the messengers. It is commanded by the Holy One so that everyone may know that the most high rules, very significant, I'll go back to it, over the kingdoms of the world, he gives them to everyone he chooses, even to the lowest of people. Why am I highlighting in this passage, in the story, the most high rules? Because the most high rules literally means in other translations that God is sovereign and he's of ultimate power, which should make us think exactly of what is taking place in our world today. The Russia and Ukraine conflict, that war. And there's people who are in fear, but know that the church of Jesus Christ right now is flourishing like it never has before in this. Why? Because God is sovereign. There is a war. There have been wars. There will be wars. But God, the mighty God, is in control. And so Nebuchadnezzar, though, he's freaking out a little bit, even though he acknowledges that the Most High rules, he doesn't understand that. He calls in Daniel, and Daniel is perplexed. Daniel is puzzled. Daniel is full of difficulty. Why? Let's look to Daniel 4 again. Upon hearing this, Daniel, also known as Belshazzar, was overcome for a time. He himself was frightened, but by the way, he recalibrates by the meaning of the dream. Then the king said to him, Belshazzar, don't be alarmed by the dream and what it means. Belshazzar replied, I wish the events foreshadowed in this dream would have happened to your enemies, my lord, and not to you. The tree you saw was growing very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves and was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in its shade, as I shared. Birds nested in its branches. That tree, your majesty, is you. For you have grown strong and great. Your greatness reaches up to the heaven, and your rule to the ends of the earth. Let's not pass over something here. Daniel was troubled. Daniel at this moment could have let pride enter into his life and say, because of what you did to me, you deserved everything that you're going to get if you don't turn it around. But Daniel said, I wish it was going to be on your enemies. Here was a, Young man who had witnessed the destruction of his home, the destruction of his nation, moved to a foreign land, possibly was made into a eunuch, had a name change. This is the ultimate of turning the other cheek and forgiving. And let me say it again. In order to make a difference, we have to be different. And Daniel was different. Are you? You know what hinders forgiveness? Pride, ego, my way, my time. But forgiveness is putting the past Behind us. And I want to tell you now, as I already said, that this was a gut check. Um, There's some people that it was brought to my mind that I don't know that I've truly forgiven them. They've caused me great pain. And I've held on to it, and I've held on to it too long. And sometimes it's easier said than done, and I've had to live that out. as I've been in preparation for this talk. And the story continues in Daniel 4. This is what the dream means, Nebuchadnezzar. Your majesty and what the Most High has declared will happen to my Lord, the King. You will be driven from human society and you will live in the fields with the wild animals, in fact, If you read this passage of scripture, it says that his nails grew like the claws of a bird. You will eat grass like a cow and you will be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the most high rules over the kingdoms of the world including your world nebuchadnezzar your world terry prisk and your world whoever is listening to this and he gives them to anyone he chooses but the stump and the roots of the tree were left in the ground this means that you will receive your kingdom back again when you have learned that heaven rules who the true god is king nebuchadnezzar please accept my advice Stop sinning. Stop being prideful. Stop doing it your way and do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper. Right here, Daniel is saying to Nebuchadnezzar, turn it around, repent. Don't just have a moment with God and keep living your life the way you want to live it. Repent means we do a 180 and we go in the opposite direction. Stop sinning. God gives us warnings all the time. It's like when there's... um, an extramarital affair. It's not one big moment, one time. There's little moments that lead up to a big moment. God warns us when we're prideful. Daniel 4, 28 through 31 says this, but all these things did happen to King Nebuchadnezzar. 12 months, 12 months he was given the opportunity to turn it around. 12 months later, he was taking a walk on the flat roof of the royal palace in Babylon, as he looked out across the city, he said, Look at this great city of Babylon. By my own mighty power, I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my majestic splendor. While these words were still in his mouth, a voice called down from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, this Message is for you. You are no longer ruler of this kingdom and we are no longer ruler of our kingdoms. How do we bring it home? What practical pieces about pride do we see? Now, I want to have a point of clarification here. There's nothing unhealthy about having a healthy self-respect, particularly when we've had low self-respect. There's nothing wrong or inappropriate about having confidence because we understand who we are in Christ. There's no problem at all in showing strength when strength is needed in leadership or whatever it may be. The kind of pride we're talking about today is the pride that always creates havoc, problems, destruction. That destruction can be personally, professionally, relationally. It's that kind of pride that literally wells up and says, I'm not going to say I'm sorry. I was wrong. I hurt you I understand now that I came across totally inappropriate will you forgive me the book of Proverbs is incredible and here's a morsel that is incredible pride leads to conflict or let me say it another way where there is conflict there is pride no exemptions No exceptions, none. Wherever there is conflict, there is some sort of unhealthy pride. Pride is seeking more credit than I deserve. By the way, pride is everywhere all the time. And I just want to share this because this really hit home to me. I've known it before. I've talked about it before. But I've never realized it like this before. Nothing of significance ever happens with just one person. Never, never, never. Just even in this talk. I read other authors. I read the Word of God. The Holy Spirit spoke to me while I was prepping. I think of teams. I love athletics. I love competition. And teams can be so positive because more can be accomplished on a team. Even a runner who is out there doing it all themselves wouldn't do it without the nutritionist. Wouldn't do it without reading how to get better from someone else who had done it, a coach. And yet, here's what happens in society. The negative part about team is is it takes us away from what's important so that now parents think that their kids going to be on the team they're going to become a superstar and then they don't go to church pride is seeking more credit than we deserve pride is desiring oh this this one this one hurts Pride is desiring to be highly talked about when we're not even in the room. How many people would admit to that? Where we think. What are they going to say? Are they talking about me positively? And ultimately what it comes down to is pride is rebellion against God. covid didn't create it, it only brought it about. COVID created culture creatures that canceled church. Pride literally is something where convenience, comfort, and choices become contrary to Christ. Pride is always against God because it's not God's way. It's what God Lucifer, Satan, in trouble. Pride. Pride is desiring to be highly talked about when we're not even in the room. Pride is the root of all sin. Lust. Greed. Gossip. Living together. Extramarital affairs, lying, family fights. How about accumulation, things, toys, and I can go on and on and on. And look what it says in Proverbs 14. There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in depth. Proverbs 11 says this, pride leads to disgrace. Why? It divides, it deflates, it diminishes, it defeats, and here's one, it claims deity. And we can look at Nebuchadnezzar and say he had everything. But that was Nebuchadnezzar and that that was a long time ago. But Nebuchadnezzar is me looking in the mirror. Nebuchadnezzar is you looking in the mirror. And one of Jesus' brothers gives an incredible statement in the fourth chapter of the book he wrote, James' god opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble and even those who elevate themselves to a higher level than they should can be humbled and this is evident in daniel 4 37 the last verse of this chapter now i nebuchadnezzar praise and glorify and honor the King of heaven. All his acts are just and true, and he is able to humble the proud. What is God speaking to you about right now? I told you, this has been a tough week for me. Because I've seen things in myself that I haven't seen before. Where do we go from here? Proverbs 11:2. 2, we already showed and talked about the first part of that verse, pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. God will give you wisdom to navigate whatever you're processing right now, but let me give some ideas to help whatever plan you're putting on in your mind right now. Proclaim your propensity to pride, because remember what I said, pride is everywhere all the time. I remember many, many, many years ago when I was ordained into ministry. There was laying out of hands, and it was a powerful moment. But I also remember when I shared uh, what people could pray for me. Little did I know that what I shared then is something that I needed prayer for my entire life. There were two Ps for Prisk at that ordination service. Would you pray that I would always be pure, that I would always be faithful to my wife? And I have been. And then would you pray that I won't let pride creep up? This subject of pride in the negative sense, in the unhealthy sense, is not something to be conquered because it can't be conquered. It's a friction to be managed. And that can only happen through Jesus Christ. Proverbs 13.10 says this, Pride leads to conflict. We already looked at that. Those who take advice are wise. Because they seek wisdom. They take wisdom. They listen to godly people and to God's word. Another idea here besides proclaiming my propensity to pride is this. Never forget that hubris, pride hinders, humility heals. There is not a greater example of living this out than Jesus Christ. Uh, Peter wrote First and Second Peter and in the first book he wrote he says this. In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders and all of you dress, clothe yourself in humility. Immerse yourself in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. What are people going to think? What are people going to say? How am I? No, give all your worries and cares to God. For he cares about you. Mm. This is spiritual surgery today. How how do we do it? If you don't know this verse, memorize this verse, and may it be your mantra from this day on, John 3.30, He must become greater and greater, I must become less and less. May people see more of Him and less of me. And you know, if we live by that, we won't be thinking, what are people saying about me? We'll be asking the question, did they see Jesus in me? And when we take it back to Jesus and they see him, we'll be showing strength, confidence, confidence, in a healthy way, and it won't be about us.